0: West Australians are known for being quite, uh, I guess, relaxed uh, bunch of people, and, and I love that. And I, I wanted to try and kind of tie those two elements together. So to have that fine dining element, but where you're, it's down to earth and comfortable at the same time.
1: We love chatting to chefs about their career paths, all the different twists and turns that work as a chef, a restaurateur can take. Today's guest started his career in Perth, did a bunch of time in Melbourne at some great restaurants, and he has now moved back to Perth to open his own restaurant. Or is he? <laughs> Richard Overwhite, welcome to Daddy Linen. Hi,
0: Danny, how are you?
1: I am really good and really thrilled to be chatting to you today. I love heading over to Perth, at least in audio form. Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about you, the start of your career and, and the journey it took you on.
0: Yeah, well, so my, my career has kind of taken me quite a few places, which, is, which I've been um, very lucky with. So um, I started in Perth. Uh, did my apprenticeship and then pretty much as soon as I qualified, I ended up leaving and I went to Europe. So, I, I worked in London and Oslo and then after that, moved back to Australia and ended up in Melbourne. And then uh, after spending four years in Melbourne, so I was I was working at Amaru as head chef and then um, after that, I ended up moving back to WA during COVID and uh that was kind of with the, the idea in mind of opening up a restaurant here. So that's kind of been the plan just at the back of my mind for quite a while. Um, it's just kind of putting all of the necessary pieces and kind of training in place before I felt that it was necessary to do that. And, uh, and then, yeah, that's where I am now, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. So, I mean, you mentioned that you've wanted to open a restaurant for a while, or that's always been part of the plan for you. I mean, why? Why is that? Is is it um, that you felt that you had something to express that you could only do in your own place, or was it just that you felt that was this the natural fulfillment of of your career goals? Like, what? Why do your own thing?
0: Well, I guess because over the years I've worked for a lot of businesses that are owner-operated. So from one of the venues I worked at in Perth, Restaurant Amuse, that was a husband and wife run venue. And then the place I worked in London was a husband and wife run venue and then to um, Amaru and that's owner-operated uh, with Clinton um, overseeing everything. So I just kind of saw it as a, kind of the purest expression uh, and I, not to say that there's there's definitely situations where um, taking on a position or dealing with uh, other investors or, or or whatever, you can still have your full kind of expression, but there is a lot of trying to please other people in that mix as well. So by um, by not by by kind of being able to make all of the decisions yourself, it is, to me, it's kind of more of a pure expression of what I see as a restaurant being.
1: Mm. And I was um, lucky enough to eat at Restaurant Amuse and I know that you cooked for me at Amaru. Um, Both those restaurants, you know, they are quite fine dining, you know, degustation, very beautiful dishes. um, Yeah, just very expressive. Is that the sort of food that you feel suits you the best?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel th- there, I mean, there is a bit of adage that fine dining is dead or dying. Um, and definitely the, I'd say the old, older style is much, uh, I, I guess outdated where, you know, crisp white tablecloths and very austere, um, dining room and everything. I, I feel like that's, n- does, it's not as approachable for most people, um, where you can still have that same kind of level of attentiveness and um, uh, kind of precision without, but, and making it accessible at the same time. So just kind of writing that fine line somewhere in there is, is kind of where I see it going.
1: Yeah, well, I reckon I've been writing about food for a couple of decades and I've probably written about 10 stories about the death of fine dining, but somehow it keeps <laughs> resurrecting itself. I guess people always want those special occasion places, but I, I think it's it's also, I think there will always be an appreciation for chefs and, and, and restaurateurs front of house to be able to really express, you know, those pinnacle skills.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I feel like a lot of um, different guests go there for for different reasons as well. I guess some people feel like they're forced to go to, you know, an expensive restaurant because it's a birthday or an anniversary or something. Um, And that kind of, uh, yeah, I feel like people feel like they're kind of like – forced in a way to to go to these places but I I mean I'm just looking at it from a point of view as I I'm just absolutely obsessed with food and I want to try and get the most out of food and and a restaurant and I just feel like that's for me that is what works best
1: yeah wow that's so exciting what do you think it is about food that hooked you in and has kept you interested all this time
0: uh, I guess just the the endless possibilities really uh, and the more that I get into food, the more that I realize that I have no idea about a lot of things and that's what's amazing about it so and even you might kind of become well versed in one cuisine for example and then you um and then you start learning about another cuisine and it's just a completely different um way of looking at things and just a completely different pantry and it's just that kind of that endlessness and um the i guess the 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 multiple kind of things that you can draw inspiration from and you kind of i don't know it feels like you can never really sit still which is yeah which i really enjoy about that
1: yeah i love that too and i think you know as you say so well about you know there's the different Things, different cuisines that you can um, become obsessed with, and rabbit holes you can go down. But don't you also reckon that you can you can t- continually find new connections between cuisines, and you know the, the roles that uh, that flavors or textures might play in, in different types of food?
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, and it's it's just I don't know. I, I went to I went to Bali recently, and this I'm shocking West Australian. I'd never actually been before. Um,
1: isn't it only like five minutes from Perth (laughs) or something? Pretty much.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's basically next door. Um, but yeah, no, I'd never been, and I I kind of made it my, um, I made it my mission to try as much as I had never tried before. And the amount of things that I ate that I had never even thought of eating was amazing. And I lucky enough to not get sick, but it's, um, and it, it really kind of refreshed my, I guess, my way of looking at food as well, which is, um, yeah, which is really, it was really quite special.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, give us a dish, like take me there.
0: Oh, well, actually I stayed with a a family while I was there and they knew that I was a chef, so they gave me a couple of cooking lessons and one of the dishes that they made was uh, lawa, and lawa is a uh, kind of a side dish made with uh, boiled pig skin, um, lard, and spices, and then dressed with uh, raw pig's blood. And they, I mean, it's a ceremonial dish, and they don't get sick from it, so I thought I'll give it a go. I knew it was fresh, um, and that was that was probably the most out there dish out of all of them.
1: What did it taste like?
0: Um it was it was more textural, I find, and that's that was another thing that I've, I'm really starting to appreciate. The more that I get into cooking, is the is the textures in cuisine as well, and the kind of the Asian influenced textures as well, like the um, the real kind of like bouncy, like chewy, fatty, like jellyfish kind of textures. So it was it was more of a it, it was delicious but it was a dish of a lot of different textures as well which is very interesting and it just kind of really opened my mind.
1: Yeah that's so cool. Um, so you're in Perth you've got this idea to open a restaurant. Uh, tell us about you know, that process you know what are the things that are perhaps seeming challenging What are what are you sure of what do you still need to work out?
0: Well it's like one of those one of those things when I moved back I thought I had this really clear vision and really clear picture of what I wanted here. And once again, I I, I was kind of, I knew it would be a, a long-term um, project, but I wanted to just kind of get back and sit, like just try and get back into life over here and see what, what would work and what is different because it, it is a different market to – Melbourne for sure. Um, so I kind of came over with this idea of I thought I knew what I wanted and how to get it. And then the more that I'm here, I kind of, I guess the, you kind of realise that you have to attack things from different angles. But the, probably the, the biggest challenge is finding the right space for the right price and because obviously I I don't have an endless budget. It needs to be, a you know, uh, at least semi-equipped space. Um, But some of those that are coming along are just ridiculously priced. So to try and find something that is kind of in the middle is is quite hard. Um, But amongst other challenges, I've kind of... Trying to meet, uh, I guess, investors. Uh, speak with, like, more small small time investors. I, I don't want to go end up going with a big group or something, and then I just end up selling my soul. Basically, um, I'd, I'd rather just deal with people who have a passion for, or this, I guess, the same passion for what my vision is, and to try and kind of work together with that. But yeah, trying to find the right space and trying to find the right people to work with, that would probably be the the two biggest challenges.
1: And I mean, have you found that clarifying in terms of expressing your concept as you try to, you know, get people to come on the journey with you?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd say so, for sure. And... uh, and there's one one of those things you kind of – you might think that you have a, a picture in mind and then what, so what happened with me recently, I ended up kind of expanding my search. I was looking for a space in a certain region and um, nothing was really showing up. So I ended up expanding my search and I found a space which is not where I was expecting, but I just thought that it could work really well. And just being able to kind of um, – i guess pivot on your plans a little bit and to just try and keep an open mind i think that was really helpful as well um and then just and then you you know the, the people that you've been dealing with along the way they can see whether something will work or not as well and you can you can you can kind of see whether they believe in you or a certain idea so yeah it's been it's been helpful in expressing my, um, yeah, expressing my, I guess, view.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, I remember I've spoken to people in the past who've spoken about like walking into a a room, it perhaps wasn't. What they thought, but the it somehow spoke to them, and it sort of told them what it wanted to be, and it, it's almost like it becomes a collaboration rather than this, you know, imposing a vision. I mean, do you are you nervous about getting too far off track from what you thought you wanted to do in the first place?
0: There is definitely an element of that as well, um, but yeah. Like exactly like you said, you kind of walk into a room and you know pretty much straight away whether you think something will work there or not. Um, And I've had a lot of the the uh, the latter, unfortunately. But it's it's all a I guess it's all a learning process as well. Um, And then the the more that you find out that you don't want, that's probably actually more helpful than the more that you find out that you do want.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that is that is really clarifying. And I mean, you know, you mentioned that things are more expensive than seems feasible. Are you is there a bit of a sense of, "Oh, come on, we'll just we'll just find the money, we'll just do it," uh, or are you quite <laughs> restrained and cautious in that way?
0: It's it, I think it just kind of depends on the on the situation. I, I don't want to get too carried away to start off with. Um there, there, there was one space that I ended up having quite a few viewings at, and then I, I finally brought a um, uh, a restaurant fit out uh, designer in to just see whether they thought that my vision could work there. And they, and just having that that extra, I guess, like professional point of view, m- managed to kind of exa- pretty much rein me in and say, "Hey, look, I don't think this would work here." Uh, And that was actually that was very helpful. So uh, it's good to have uh, and uh, that was the first time I'd met him. Um, He's a very knowledgeable person and I think he's a a very good person to keep around. So he's got a very good uh, point of view and uh, he's probably probably good at keeping my ideas quite grounded as well, which is good. (laughs) (laughs)
1: definitely and i mean clearly as a head chef you would have done a lot of costings and budgets but do you reckon you're you've got a good business head on your shoulders
0: i i would say that i do um i do and and i guess the the more that i progress through cooking i the the more that i am interested in the business side of things as well and the more that i'm I, i feel like i'm i'm drawn to it it um it does interest me and i'm very well aware i've had so many people tell me how much uh, how much harder it is and how much how much work it is um so that's no that comes as no surprise to me um but i still i feel like i definitely have it in me
1: excellent and so richard what are you doing in the meantime i mean you can't be spending all your time looking at venues
0: no, no. Um, so in the meantime, I mean, so I'm I'm working, um, but I'm setting up a, a bunch of um, uh, like a, a dinner a dinner series. So, oh, actually, a couple of dinner series. So one of them is a, a collaboration dinner series with uh, one of my uh, friends, uh, Matt Satori. So he um, he's a incredibly talented chef based in Perth, and. So we do a yeah a collaboration dinner series. We've done five so far. So we'll take over a, a restaurant or, or a cafe on a Sunday night when they're closed, and we'll host a, a kind of a, a similar style to what my, I see my venue being. So a tasting menu um, with matched wines, and it's a it's a it's a it's, it's actually it's gained a decent amount of traction over here. There's a lot of a lot of people uh, seem to really follow it and really enjoy it. Um, so we've done that and then I'm planning on doing another one under under my banner, potentially my business banner, depending on how um, how far along things are tracking on that side as well. And then um, a, a couple of uh, guest residencies as well at a, at a couple of different restaurants around Perth. So trying to just do a few things to keep me active I guess um keep me kind of upskilling myself on the business side of things while I'm while I'm doing that and uh and then just kind of keeping my creativity or my creative juices flowing as well because that's uh, that's a big uh, I guess a big part of it for me
1: mm. and so how are you approaching the creativity is it WA produce that you're focusing on? Do you feel like Perth wants to eat different things? Like how do you sort of balance out your creative urges with, um, I guess, a marketable menu?
0: Well, I guess my my creative urges kind of, they do go a little bit beyond just cooking. So I I have taken a a couple of trips um, down south, to the south of WA, to visit a few farmers and kind of build up that relationship there. Um, I'm also really into gardening. So I, I'm lucky my parents have got a decent backyard that they've just let me take control of. And um, I've, I just, I grow a whole bunch of different things, just kind of random rare ingredients, heirloom vegetables and different, all different sorts of things to use for events as well. So um yeah, there'll be uh, uh, that kind of that's a, a creative side of things that are kind of you get to get your hands dirty and you kind of plan it months beforehand and see if you can work it in with the menu. And if it does, then that's perfect. Um, but also, yes, yeah, sourcing a lot of WA ingredients and uh, just kind of what really interests me is the the different, I guess, microclimates that you have here and just seeing what works, how you can have you have a lot of, uh, I guess, Southeast Asian herbs and vegetables here because they grow really well. But you also have uh, Mediterranean vegetables here because they also grow really well. So it's a kind of a a bit of a mishmash of cultures and ingredients that might not exist many other places, but that really uh, interests me and excites me.
1: Mm, So cool. All right. So let's I know you've got to be flexible with your vision, but let's say you're creating your dream restaurant, and I am just arriving for dinner. Can you just paint a picture for me, like take me in and tell me what I'm, what I might be eating, and what the experience will be like?
0: Well, that's a that's a that's a really uh, really good question. How long have you got?
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, I've got <laughs> no, no. you know uh, the whole dinner. I've yeah, got exactly. yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's uh, I I do I do really enjoy. Uh, Degustation or de- tasting menus. I feel like they 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 can be a bit played out and sometimes a bit kind of uh, you can lose people along the way, but uh, they also can be really exciting. And and if the progression's right, then uh, I feel like they they can really hit the mark. So, um, uh, like I'd love uh, I'd love the idea of having a a produce kind of table as soon as you walk in. So you walk in and you see exactly what's in season, a few different things that you might see throughout the, the evening. Like right, right now, uh, pumpkins, uh, quints, uh, plums and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you get a lot of good herbs. WA is too hot to grow good herbs in in summer. So uh, autumn, winter, that's when you start getting the beautiful herbs in and, and everything. So um, you do uh, get some fantastic seafood around here as well so you might kind of work uh, work some beautiful uh, rotten air scallops into the menu um, potentially some uh, some jewfish as well um, and maybe yeah I mean then you have the classics you've got Marin and Manjumup Marin and uh, coming pretty soon Manjumup truffles and um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things here that you can kind of work into a menu.
1: Mm, and but what's it going to feel like? What's my experience going to be like?
0: Um, I, I would say it's uh, fine fine dining, but da- down to earth fine dining is probably the best way. So I mean, West Australians are known for being quite, uh, I guess, relaxed. Uh, a bunch of people. And, and I love that. And I I wanted to try and kind of tie those two elements together. So to have that fine dining element, but where you're, it's down to earth and comfortable at the same time. Um, Yeah.
1: And you've, I mean, your parents' garden sounds like a very good draw, but would you say you've moved back to Perth just because you always knew you were going to, because that's where family is, or is it, is it at least as much about sensing that there's an opportunity there? Uh,
0: I, a, a good a good mix of both. Um, I'd say that there's there there are there are fine dining restaurants here, but there really aren't that many, uh, and the ones that are here are pretty much consistently busy all the time. Um, and I would say, yeah, there's definitely definitely a market here for it. Um, but also moving back to, to see f- friends and family is uh, it was very important to me as well. I was actually, um, quite inspired by it. So a, a friend of mine I worked with in Norway, he, um, he's from Nebraska and he, I guess he, he traveled around, he worked in some amazing restaurants throughout the States and, and in Europe. And then he ended up moving back to little old Nebraska, Nebraska to, Chase his uh, I guess chase his dreams and try and fit a bit of column a and column b together and um I, I was always quite inspired by the fact that he was willing to do that because nebraska is not not known for its food scene but he's um he's doing some amazing things there and uh, that kind of that kind of really pushed me to to think that hang on although you know Perth is not known for its uh, high end dining scene, why can't I try and put put them both together. And that's the, uh, I guess that's the thing that's driving me.
1: Oh, I love it. Um, Richard, please stay in touch because I want to follow your journey and definitely come to the restaurant once it's open. See if uh, your fantasy description matches up to my reality when I get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, good luck in um, in putting column A and column B together. I really, yeah, wish you all the best with that.
0: Thank you so much, Danny. And thanks for the chat. It's lovely to lovely to ha- have a chat with you.
1: This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We wanna hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at linen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. Peace.